Hey, it's Sky Brothers here. View from the cheap seats this week. We have an unbelievable guest. Uh, he played for in the NFL, had over ten thousand six hundred yards rushing, and now he's got a great acting career. He's Thomas Q. Jones. Man, did you have fun on the show? Man, I had a blast on this show. Thank we you so much deep. for inviting me. Yeah, we got super deep, man. It was early in the morning out here in the West Coast. Man, Listen, y'all, got man, my, y'all got my brain working early, man. Talk so. Issues. I'm yeah. talking issues. I'm saying, look, we got so deep, we put her butt to sleep. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. R.A. Public Radio America. You're smarter already. This week on You're Welcome, we explore the mind-altering field of new science in experimental. We interview cutting-edge lab runners on breakthrough developments in the study of feelings and sleep. All of us need both to survive. And by all of us, I'm talking about humans and any sentient robots out there. How do we feel about sleep? He usually gets a resounding yes, please, and thank you. How do we feel when we don't have feelings? Find out in exclusive interviews by your fearless field reporter, moi, and experimental co-host, Jillian Sandbag. All this plus retractions today on... You're welcome. I'm Chartreuse Beljar, and just because I'm filling in for Stefan-Straightman does not mean I impersonate the lugubrious yawn he calls a voice. Up first, a snooze fest of a story. Recently, I traveled to the Ivy Coast where I spoke with Dr. Bloom Tarkey, professor emeritus at Bassard College who is renowned in the field of sleep studies for his groundbreaking work. Duration, interruption, and various variables determine a good night's sleep versus a not so good night's sleep. But then, I started getting into the dream world, the psychology. What is going on in people's subconscious? What happens to your sleepy time? What happens when you do or say things you may or may not actually do or say in your conscious life? What happens if you're held accountable for your dream life, for your subconscious decisions, opinions, or actions. Dr. Tarke continued on, asking the big questions, but mostly the big rhetorical questions. Like, what is the nature of sleeping like a baby? Um, well... Rhetorical. Let me continue. I started to discover that many people in their dream life are very racist. Oh, uh, I'm sorry? Racist. Racist dreamers? Yes. Or sexist, or classist, or bigots, good old-fashioned bigotry. You name it, they dream it. Uh, homophobics? Oh, yes, very homophobical. Ageist. Indeed. I've even been singled out in people's dreams. I'm 64! It felt personal. I spoke with Shelley Shumway, one of Dr. Tarkey's test subjects. I just graduated from college and needed some extra cash. I thought I was getting paid to do one of those sleep studies. And then you quickly found out that you were being tested for your dreams, yes? Not until the third time. I just thought it was fun conversations. Like, who doesn't love hearing about people's dreams? Most people. So, the first night, I had a dream about playing with puppies, and then they were all adopted. And I was left alone in the window. Like, who's that doggy in the window situation? How much is that doggy in the window? 
It was really sad. Then the next night, I had this dream where I was at this guy of a huge crush on's house, and he ended up being my neighbor in the dream, which was really cool because I was like, I could walk there. So I was wearing white pants, and they got spaghetti on them because it was, he's Italian. It was an Italian dinner cooked by his mom. And then I got them on my pants, so he gave me his clothes. Okay, to wear. I'm, I'm going to stop you right there. Um, this isn't the dream we really need to hear about. In fact, we have audio of your dream interview here. Wakey, wakey, Shelly. Hi. Oops, no, no, Shelly, you can't go back to sleep. Come here. Yeah, sleep study this. Shelly. Shelly. So this happens a few more times. Yeah, like for the next hour they try to wake me up. I'm not a morning person. Doctor... I had a crazy dream. Tell me about it. I was in a massive crowd at a Fifth Harmony concert, and there were all kinds of different people there, like different colors and shapes and smells and stuff. Like, normally I don't get upset about this, but somehow they were super annoying to look at. Then, when the concert started, I couldn't see my girls of Fifth Harmony. I was getting pushed, and for some reason I couldn't push back, so I just started using my words. I called them, um... Go on. I can't. This is a very safe place, Shelly. I called this guy a and a woman a and this tiny child a... Apologies to our listeners for not warning in advance that this episode would include bleeps of racial slurs. Apparently now I'm a bigot. According to Dr. Tarkey? And all of Dr. Tarkey's students. All of his experiments have been getting a lot of press. And it sucks. He's this beloved professor who has all these followers and they're lashing out at me. Like, my Twitter fan base is practically gone and I'm getting tons of harsh hashtags. But Shelley isn't the only one receiving criticism. In the past few years, I started sleepwalking. This is Tim Montgomery, a 35-year-old man from Washington, D.C. At first, it was just around my house, and then I'd wake up in people's yards, and now now friends are finding pictures of me online walking in f tea party marches. Based on your reaction, I take it you're not a Tea Party supporter. No, I mean, I felt like physically sick with myself after I saw a video of me stumbling around in my pajamas holding a sign of Obama's face painted like Heath Ledger's Joker. Oh, that's serious. But why so? Again, we are finding more and more people don't so much sleep so much as they sink into a kind of... of Myopic hypnosis. People are fascinating and the worst. PRA and Your Welcome World News are brought to you by Crossword Puzzles, the dinosaur of word games nearing extinction. And now, experimental correspondent. Jillian Sandbag takes us to the edge of known knowledge and into the University of LeBron, where Dr. Charles Casper is pushing the limits of science, ideas, scientific ideas, and ideas of science. Fear. What is it? Millions of years ago, when we were just monkeys living in the forest, everything was trying to eat us. Fear was the one thing that kept us alive. 
It's a biological response that would tell us to run from that thing with the big teeth charging towards us. A dinosaur, saber-toothed tiger, a giant raccoon, perhaps. But now there's pretty much nothing trying to eat us. Lizards have gotten smaller. Crime rates are at the lowest they've been since the 1950s. Despite all this, we're more afraid than ever. Fear is not properly evolving. That was Dr. Charles Casper, a researcher in the fear studies at the University of LeBron. Dr. Casper has been studying how fear distorts our experiences for over a decade, but it wasn't until three years ago that he had his breakthrough. I was studying how fear makes us feel for a long time and not really getting anywhere, other than proving that when we're scared we get very sweaty. My research wasn't bringing in much new, but then I found Frida Myers. She was a 42-year-old woman, totally normal in every way, except she is biologically incapable of experiencing fear. I'm not afraid. Fear is an emotion that comes from two almond-shaped structures in the brain called the amygdala, but Miss Myers were scooped out in an experimental procedure in a Russian orphanage. That was when she was just a baby, so she has no idea what it's like to be afraid. Luckily, she was soon adopted after the procedure by a nice American family, so everything else about her is normal. Fear seems critical to survival, yet here Frida is, an average woman in the richest country in the world, and she survived. Yes, my experiments on her allowed me to prove that a lack of fear is not a death sentence. In fact, her lack of fear makes her an incredibly open and friendly person. If I had to describe her in two words, they would be alive and happy. Well, I guess there was this one time when I was just walking around with my son around town and this homeless man on a bench asked me to come over to him. And I did. And he grabbed me and held a knife up to me and he said, I'm a cut you bitch. And so I said, okay, cut me. And then he said he was going to haunt me and stalk me. And I was like, okay. And then he just let me go. Did you call the police? Uh, well, he didn't physically harm me. In fact, he's still on that bench. When beckoned, Frida regularly approaches threatening men on the street. She's also been held at gunpoint 17 times. It's like a blind spot. Sometimes I understand that danger is there, like rationally. It's just that I don't react to it. Just because the crime rate is down doesn't mean there is no threat of violent crime. A little fear is good for us. I had to go to great lengths to prove my original no-fear hypothesis wrong. So not having fear is ruining her life? Well, no, actually. She doesn't experience psychological trauma, so from her point of view, her life is great. My most recent batch of experiments has been to look for correlation between fear and quality of life. Interesting. Yes, like uh, I'll have her in her living room, just watching daytime soaps, and I'll dress up like a ghost and pop out of things. But she enjoys her daytime television just as much as if I weren't even there. Is that ethical? I'm not hurting her. I'm just popping out of stuff and saying boo. I feel like that wouldn't scare an adult woman. Results were so positive I had to increase the external fear input to see if actual threats would make her life worse. Like how? Well, in Fear Lab 2, <laughs> we learned a lot from this one. Well, here's a video. You locked her in a room with a sleeping bear? The door wasn't locked. She was free to go at any time. That isn't right to do to someone. It's okay. She's not scared by it. And the bear was hibernating. No real danger. 
What what is this clip titled Ball Pit Full of Snakes? Click it. Doctor, is it almost lunchtime? There's only one ball in here. And I'm having difficulty wading through the snakes in a fun way. Look, look there. She's playing with the snakes. It almost got out of hand last week when a black mamba from another lab escaped and found its way in here with the non-venomous ones. The world's second most venomous snake? Doctor! It's okay. I have a snake bite kit in the lab. Safety first. And besides, she wasn't in there long before we realized the danger. Does the university know about this? Oh, of course. It would be awfully hard to sneak a grizzly bear and thousands of snakes onto campus without their help. This is appalling. They were also helpful with getting permission to borrow a serial killer from the Wallowa County Prison for a few days. Hold on. Borrow a serial killer? Yes, just for a few days so we could lock him in a room with Miss Myers and see how her quality of life was affected. Doctor, this is sadistic. Barely. Nothing happened. At first it seemed friendly enough, but then he stabbed her. But on a scale of one to five, a one being depressed and a five being ecstatic, she stayed a constant three, just like before the attack and only one point less than when she was watching daytime television. She really likes as the world turns. She could have been killed. Nonsense. It was a controlled environment. Where did the serial killer get the knife? Well, we put it on the table. What? It was a controlled environment. We were watching the whole time. Getting stabbed to her is like falling on a really sharp branch. It's painful, but not frightening. <laughs> After we stitched her up, we put her back in the room and they played Uno. That part was less interesting. Mostly because it lasted six hours. My God. Frida, I've got to ask you, how do you feel about all this? Well, I, I get the blues like everyone else, but I'd say 10 out of 10 days, I'm a happy person. I'd say that's great, considering she spent 18 hours last week trapped in a well. Really dark. Kind of boring. A lot of bats. My God, Frida. I'm fine. I discovered a cave down there. They're going to name it after me. <laughs> and how did that make you feel? Oh, well, I was excited. Like... A five plus. And yeah, all of this is like inhumane. But with all the money they're paying me, I'm pretty much set for life. In our next segment of Experimental, I interview Dr. Bernard Fabergé, a National Science Fellow in Environmental Studies at Johns Hopkins. He is known for his unorthodox ideas on the globe. I interview him today to get to the bottom of those facts or opinions. Hi, Chartreuse. May I call you Chart? Uh, please no. Um, that's more of like a, it's a reference to a liquid fart, and I would prefer not to be referred to that thing. Let me just point out uh, right off the bat, liquid is um, a theory. It is not a proven state of matter. Oh, um... But I we can move forward. Well, actually, I would like to just address that really quick. Um, right here, I have a bottle of water. That is liquid. Here, I'm going to just pour it out, and that is liquid. Well, that's making a mess. Uh, but what you're actually doing there is um, pouring a, um, a what I call a bendy solid out of a, a less bendy solid. Interesting. Does that make now, sense? It does not. Um, You're not a scientist. <laughs> no, I'm not, but I, I do know that I'm stepping in liquid right now. Well, this is liquid on my feet. That's an opinion. Uh, whereas my, uh, anything I say, uh, from the uh, standpoint of a scientist uh, from Johns Hopkins, is, uh, is a proven fact. Mm. Now, 
Bernard, I understand that um, you've come up with a few different um, theories that, uh, for example, the Earth is flat? Yes, that's correct. Um, the Earth is flat. <laughs> this one, I, I don't... I don't see where the pushback comes from. The uh... well, um, we have had, you know, astronauts go out in space. We've seen pictures. We've had research. There are facts that this Earth is round. I mean, uh, I, I I don't understand how how you well are at John's. Let office. me just say, there's been a lot of uh, a lot of trust been put into this organization we call NASA. <laughs> and if anyone uh, subscribes to my video blog, they will see that I easily created, uh, recreated the so-called moon landing <laughs> in my garage. Uh, yes, I actually pulled it up right here. It looks like you did it with puppets. Perfect, yes. Uh, the puppets uh, are even more lifelike, I believe, than what we see in the uh, so-called moon landing videos. <laughs> well, it looks like they have googly eyes, for one, so I'm not sure if that's a realistic interpretation of a human, but... Um... Well, I'm a bit crafty, and I do a lot of scrapbooking, so I had some extra googly eyes. Um, look, have you ever looked out at the Earth and uh, and seen a curve? <laughs> it's it's flat, as far as you can... As the eye can see, right. But you're also standing. Um, you're not. You're not looking at it from far away. So that you know, we're on the surface of the Earth. Of course, we're not going to see the curve of it because it's a massive planet. A, a, a planet. I mean, do you believe that we are indeed on a planet? I do indeed. That okay. planet is flat, uh, like uh, your average pancake, and also hollow. <laughs> well, also plant. Well, also a pancake is can be fluffy and poofy, um, which means that it could be flat. But it's also it's three dimensional. It's 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 got a little roundness to it, depending on the chef. Well, of course, if you want to go into semantics, there are fluffy mountains and uh, less fluffy valleys. Um, there's maybe some holes in it, uh, but through and through, the whole thing's pretty darn flat. You got to admit, flat as a pancake. It says everyone says it. <laughs> Um, well, what what is your theory on? Uh, do, you, do you believe in gravity? I I I feel embarrassed just asking this question out loud, but uh, at this point, I guess anything's on the table. Uh, well, what I can tell you is I believe in the nice house theory, um, which is where I live in a very nice house, uh, paid for by Big Oil, Exxon. I'm uh, legally oh. required to mention their name in any interview. Um, your welcome does not support Exxon. Just to put that out there to our listeners. I do. And they do. Um, but gravity is more like, um, well, sticking with the pancake metaphor, it's like a sticky syrup that keeps us stuck to the earth. Um, but uh, we're allowed to jump a little bit, uh, you know, as syrup is slightly viscous. Um, we can uh, bounce a bit on a pancake. But as we know... What is the point of leaving a, a pancake when it's I, so delicious? I understand that you, you you mentioned the nice house theory, but so far it sounds like nice breakfast theory. Uh, well, yes, you got my mind on pancakes. I did. I did skip my breakfast. I usually have a butler who has all these things for me, but uh, I. Uh... And big oil pays for this. Oh well, yes. I don't see how that's relevant, but yes. And and global warming. Can we just? 
go ahead and tackle that before we have to go. We've got a couple minutes here. No, that's a, a great point. Global warming is probably the biggest fallacy of the last uh, 100 years. All right. Well, um, glaciers are melting. There are plenty of facts out there that make it obvious that this Earth is warming. Well, here's the thing. Glaciers are going to melt. That's just, that's life. Um, when you put an ice cube in a, in a glass That isn't of... life. That's, that's, humans are destroying this planet. I mean, that is an opinion. That is an opinion. I will say that. But the glaciers are melting. The planet is warming. I don't understand how you can deny this. Well, what happens when ice cubes melt into your drink, Shardy? Uh, it gets colder. <laughs> so if the glaciers were melting, we'd be getting a lot colder, not warmer, wouldn't we? <laughs> That's when I'm going to wrap things up, Bernard. Thank you. This has been wonderful. This I'm super been... hungry. Well, there is an IHOP around the corner, which I think you will enjoy. No, I get red velvet pancakes at home, so why Goodbye, would I settle Bernard. for less? Thanks. Experimental is supported in part by Transcendental Meditation. David Lynch does it. Don't you want to live life half dream, half nightmare? That about wraps it up for this week. But before we go, being right all the time isn't easy. So here are some retractions from last week. There is no correlation between men sporting goatees and men who are sex offenders. There is scientific proof, however, that wearing computer dad glasses means you are a sex offender or serial killer. Molotov cocktails do not qualify as home brewing. Dinosaurs are not mostly extinct. There is no law against men wearing sandals yet. We're up to 3.2% of our fundraising goal. Donors at the $100 level will receive exclusive tickets to a VIP-only section of a volunteer highway cleaning event. Thank you for having us on in the background while you drive. Special thanks, as always, to research interns Madeline Wager, Eric Stoles, B.J. Emery, along with special research assistants Dan Torson and Sidney Steinberg, and in-studio sandwich artist Zane Grant. I'm Chartreuse Beljar saying thank you, and you're welcome. This podcast is brought to you by feralaudio.com, fiercely independent podcasts. Home of Harmontown, Call Chelsea Peretti, Mystic Party, and more. You can donate at our show page at feralaudio.com or use our Amazon affiliate link when shopping on Amazon. PRA, Public Radio America. It's like a tote bag for your ears. Feral Audio. of the United States government, it is the mission of the National Security Agency to assess and flag citizens of the country who may present a threat to its security. <laughs> the NSA has clearance to wiretap by any means necessary. Tapped. Incidental recordings of private conversations from the files of the NSA. Now on feralaudio.com.